Welcome to the Right Dojo with your hosts, Steve Diamond. Virtual insanity is what we're living in, Larry. And Larry Korea. Even a man who is pure in heart and says his prayers by night may become a wolf when the wolfbane blooms and autumn moon is bright. Today's episode, Musings on the Industry. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Rider Dojo. Glad to have you with us today. Now, if you're curious as to our quotes, what happened is right before we started recording, we said, well, crap, we don't have any quotes. And so we started looking around my office and I have two figures on my, uh, on my bookshelf. One is of the Wolfman and one is of JK, the singer from Jamiroquai. So I chose Jamiroquai, <laughs> Larry chose the Wolfman. Um, Which is kind of appropriate if yeah, you think about it. feels good. Yeah. Um, all right. So we missed last week and I apologize. This was, this was me. I was traveling for like two, two weeks straight. Um, you know, I was down at an archery competition for my son down in Vegas. Um, went and saw the, saw you two in the sphere. That's cool. Dude. The sphere is cool. The screen was like 300 feet tall. That's like neat. it was ridiculous. Um, they weren't as tight as they usually were. They're just getting old, but, um, well, to be fair, they're like 70. Yeah. They're getting old, but, uh, but they were really good. Um, and the screen was freaking awesome. Um, well, they really are 70, aren't they? They're really freaking old. Oh man. I that's depressing. <laughs> yeah. It's really freaking old. Um, I mean, I think their first album came out in like 1980 or 81, mm, something like that. Yeah. Wow. When I was born. Um, wow. anyway, um, so I was there and then I went to, uh, I went to Arizona for my day job and talked with them and got promoted like one and a half times. Um, Steve's yeah. in this weird position where he's trying to make it as a full-time writer, but he's really good at what he does. And so he keeps getting more responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. My, I, I met the CFO down there and she came in and she said, Hey, Steve, um, you seem like, you know what you're doing and my accounting department's really weak. So, uh, how about you become my pricing manager? I'm like, okay. And then the next day she barges into the office I'm using and says, and I need you to be the controller. Like, oh, Okay. Okay. Steve just wants to write books. I know. I just, <laughs> I just, I just want to barbecue and write books. Is that too much to ask? Yeah, you're one of those rare individuals who's good at math yeah. and writing. It's like left brain, right brain. No, not no. a problem. No. no, no, no. So, so this is why I am very tired. I told the fans very frustrated. They're like, "Well, we'll just do an episode with just Larry." And I was like, "No, this is a two guy, two man show." And if you've paid any attention to the show, Steve <laughs> is usually the one that keeps us on track. Well, someone made that comment that was actually pretty funny. They're like, "Wait, wait, wait!" So the guy who Discovery writes is the guy who keeps the show on track and like outlines it and plans it, mm-hmm. and the guy who's the outliner just kind of gabs. Like, yes, correct. Yes. <laughs> Correct. Uh, yeah, that is actually accurate. <laughs> it's so funny. Because I can ramble for hours on end about any topic, um, and uh, I will gladly do so. That's why I was like, like there was that Tucker Carlson interview with Vladimir Putin, and like, people are like, oh, wow, uh, he, Vladimir Putin spoke for 30 minutes about the history of his country. And like, like that was a big deal. Just was 30 like, minutes? I was like, how pathetic are you intellectually that like you can only like talk in 30 minutes about a subject that you're passionate about is hard. I could go for like freaking four hours about what my favorite, uh, grips are for one brand of gun. 
Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I, you, know. you could go for hours, and we're going to demonstrate that on this podcast. Oh, yeah. But uh, actually, so our, our topic today, trying to keep it on track, um, we're going to talk about some of the stuff that's going on in the industry. Um, it's kind of, it's, I guess we call them some... Uh, some musings. Some musings on some current events in yeah. publishing. Um, you know, we, we figured we'd just, honestly, most of the time we have a topic picked out. But we kind of thought, hey, maybe we should just kind of, we'll just kind of gab for a second, talk about all the weird things that have been going on. Well, because this is where several, we're at, because you just had two ones. huge announcements. Yeah, I had two big announcements this week. Um, like, like big announcements. Like big, big announcements. Yeah, actually. And so they're both kind of interesting. Um, the first one, well, actually, I'll do, I'll do the Monster Hunter one first. Yeah. See, this one, this one surprised me. Okay, this is fun. So, you guys know I do foreign translations. So uh, my books are published in many different languages. Uh, one of them is the Czech Republic, and the Czech Republic loves Monster Hunter. Uh, Monster Hunter has been a big hit there. That series is super popular. The uh, The publisher over there loves it. The fans love it. Best book signings I've ever had have been in Prague. Uh, people go nuts for it. And che- uh, the Czechs have a lot of writers themselves. And so they approached me about doing an anthology of MHI stories. This was a while ago. Yeah, this was a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, about doing a, um, an anthology of MHI stories, because there is a Czech monster hunter company uh, called Phantom, which is actually the name of the publishing house over there. See, and, and... I totally cheated. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, F-A-N-T-O-M. And so um, I put Phantom in the books. I introduced a couple characters from them, and they're just kind of in the background. And um, so they thought, hey... Can we write stories in your universe and then publish an anthology? And I was like, yeah. And I did a story for it too. Only mine was in English and then translated into Czech. Theirs were all in Czech and then sold to the Czech audience. And it was called MHI Phantom or Love Sea Monster Phantom. Yeah. And uh, I just I just don't pronounce the last part of that. And I just say it's Love Monster. It does actually look like Love Monster. That said, I love my Czech covers. So the Czechs did this and it was a hoot. And we we had a, we had a I I I, uh, I I zoomed in for the release party. You oh, know? that's cool. Yeah, that yeah, was pretty fun. Uh, well, because you Prague se- Comic Con several years ago, this was this was like twenty fourteen ish, fifteen ish, something like that. Maybe it was a little bit after that. No, maybe it was twenty sixteen. You uh, you went over there. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, you uh, toured it was like over 20, there. 2017, I think twenty sixteen. It was super fun. It was a good trip. Yeah, I love that it country. Was. Great, great people. They have a great sense of humor. Um. And uh, it was a big hit, and so then my American fans found out about this, and they flipped out because it was Monster Hunter stuff that they really wanted to read too. Only hardly anybody speaks Czech outside. Mm-hmm. Of, I mean, the, like ten million people speak this language in the world, you know. And so <laughs> we finally this week we're able to announce that we have translated it into English. Um, and um, actually, because my regular translator is one of the authors in the book. Yeah. And so, which is really fun. And they're a great bunch of guys. And so they, uh, they translated it into English and that is now coming out in here in America. And the funny thing is I'm going to have to, like I was talking earlier with, uh, Jack, I'm gonna have to put a little addendum to the front because keep in mind, I don't speak Czech. So I wasn't able to edit these when they first made them. So these, you know, I, uh, I saw your white privilege, Larry. <laughs> well, super white. I mean, it's. It's Central European. I mean, it's about as white as white as you get there. 
And I just couldn't, uh, I, I can't speak Czech, obviously, and they couldn't translate them in English for me. And so, that'd just be too much work. And so so I don't really know exactly what is all in these, but should be a lot of fun. You I'm know, really, I'm kind of pumped about this. You know, that's, it, this is really interesting to me, actually, for a couple different reasons. Um, I know that, I, I know that when, when translations and stuff happen, you know, there, there's, there's all sorts of, of things that happen that, you know, that go into it and, and everything. And, but more often than not, it's, we're seeing it from our point of view, like English going over into some other language right. and we just cross our fingers and hope for the best. We were talking about this with Rothman on one of the episodes. Yeah. Cause you don't really, you get, I mean, you've, in, unless you're fluent in that language yourself, which most authors aren't. Um, your ability to meddle in that process is very limited. Well, and, and, and the thing is, is you don't know. Uh, um, so, we, you know, I speak, I speak two languages. Yeah, you're fluent and, in Spanish. Yeah, I'm fluent in Spanish. And so I know that simply taking, you know, a, a phrase or whatever it is or a paragraph and translating it word for word, kind of like, like Google would or whatever, right? Yeah. Google Translate. It's horrible. It's terrible. Yeah, it does not It loses read all right context. All. It loses all flavor. It loses everything. And, and so many translations, for me, that's one of the things I fear the most about my own works being translated that way. Well, uh, plus American English is very idiomatic. Yeah. We have a lot of phrases that we take for granted that if you were to literally change them into the other language, they're utterly meaningless. Um, and so my Czech translator being um, fluent in English and Czech and knowing the culture of both will be like, okay, you say, uh, you know, this, this, and this. Um, there's no equivalent in Czech. So we would say, to get the same effect, we would say this. Mm-hmm. And he would explain it to me. And he goes, are you cool with that? And I was like, yeah, that's great. You know, so that's just kind of the nature of translation. But if you, yeah, but if you go straight across, it turns into bland, flavorless yeah. mush. And and so I've noticed the same thing when when I've read translated works from other countries. You know, like like talking about like say say the Witcher stuff. You know, coming over to us, or um, there was that Russian author who turns out a super dirtbag um, who who wrote like um, Night Watch and stuff like that. Okay, I watched the movie. I don't know anything about the yeah. Well, I'm the book was actually pretty okay. Um, but from what I understand, that dude's a super douche. Really? Anyway. Oh, okay. Um, so I, I remember when I was reading through it, um, and I noticed this when I, I read, um, the book that the ring was based off of, it's called yeah. Ringu in, um, in Japanese, uh, all you need is kill, like all, all that sort of stuff. You read those and there are phrases in there and the way they write things where you just kind of look at it and you go, huh, I don't know. Like this, this sounds a little off, but I, I mean, I'm okay with it. I see what they're saying though. Yeah. And so I wonder how much of that's going to come across for you. I don't know. It's going to be really interesting to find out. <laughs> now, what formats is it coming out in? Ebook um, and audio, right? Ebook and, well, I think they're working on audio. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's official yet or not, but ebook for sure. And I don't know if we're doing a print run or not. Hmm. So this is a, this is a pretty weird niche experiment. That's super weird. It's super weird, but. In, in a good way. I don't know of any American author that's had something like this happen. I can't think of any. Um, this is actually kind of distinct. I, I can't think of anybody that's had something like this go down. I posted about it on Twitter and Laurel, Laurel Hamilton saw it. She's like, wow, that is cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know anybody else that's had this happen as, as an American author. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at my shelves 
Um, cause you were down, we're down in my office and I'm looking at my shelves, all the different authors. Steve's trying to see if I've, and I've cold like half of it. Um, I helped him move. He has a lot of books. I looking at all the various authors. I don't, I don't, I don't, I can't see yeah. any of these. So it's actually done really, this. that's really cool. cool. Uh, so that's, that's distinct. I'm still not a real author though, but it's kind no, of cool. I mean. Weird. Uh, and then the other big announcement. This which is dope. Now, I've known about this for a long time. Okay, so Steve's time. known about this, but he's been sworn to secrecy because um, Steve writes also for Bayon and another publisher named Athon. Yeah. And we've had uh, the um, one of the founders of Athon on the show, Steve Boyer. Steve Boyer. Yeah. And we uh, we interviewed him. Asking, in fact, you think that one aired first part of this uh, yeah, season? Yeah, that was the first... Um, non-State of the Dojo episode for yeah, us. great interview. And so I have actually signed with Athon to do a novel for them. Now, it's kind of a weird novel, though, which is why it's not with Bane. Right. Well, okay, so so first of the back, because people like to freak out, no, I'm still with Bane. Uh, the vast majority of, of my books are with Bane. I have actually written with other publishers before, though, in the past. I've done a couple novels with Privateer Press. Um, I've done my nonfiction with Regnery. And so I have written for other publishing houses, but the majority of my stuff is with Bane. This is a little weird, though, because it's a genre that uh, I haven't done before. It's not something Band does. Um, it's what's called progression fantasy. Yeah. And to kind of explain this, during the last decade, we saw, with the rise of independent publishing, uh, the growth of certain sub-genres of fantasy. Yeah. Okay. With lit RPG being a big one, progression fantasy being a big one, kind of kind of together, uh, romanticy, cozy fantasy, whatever. There's all these little more. Sh- that's one thing that's about the independent thing versus the uh, romanticy is just paranormal romance in a fantasy setting. Yeah, it's it's uh, sex Yorks. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> I know they're I don't thick. Know about that. <laughs> with two C's. Um, with two C's. But yeah, so one of the things about independent publishing versus trade, when you're doing trade publishing, it a lot of the genre stuff tended to be more broadly directed because they're trying to reach wide audience, right? Well, and, and they are very, very concerned with where on a bookshelf this is going to sit. Yeah. You know, at, at a BNN or... Which, you as know, time whatever. goes on, matters less and less and less. Exactly. Because the brick and mortar matters less and less. I mean, don't get me wrong, I still love bookstores, but I'm just saying the way the market's gone, they've become... Catering to that only is foolish now. Correct. And so we've seen more niche stuff, because you can be in a smaller niche yet still make a really good living. Mm-hmm. Because you're not trying to reach the people around one bookstore in one geographic location. It's everybody in the world on the internet. Well, and, and, and it does give the ability for a publisher, um, say, well, say Athon, right? Athon's two big things are basically Lit RPG and Mill SF. Yeah. Those are their two big, big money makers. Yeah. Right? And they've been doing really, really good. They're doing freaking fantastic. Yeah. And and so, you know, they, they wanted a science fiction for me, which is what I'm doing, science fiction horror, um, which again is, is why it's not with Bane, because uh, Bane doesn't do horror. Yeah, well, and one of the things on this, too, was um, uh, Bane does new KU, Kindle yeah. Unlimited. Yeah, they because they, cause you have to be, ex- you kind of have to be exclusive. Yeah, there's Kindle there's a lot of to, weird rules with that. And, to get the best benefit out of it. Yeah, and so it's it's an odd thing, whereas Athon does. And part of my thing is, is I've talked about this on the show before. I'm I'm, I'm a pretty established author. I'm a pretty successful author. But I'm one of those guys, I don't ever want to be stagnant, where... This is how I've done stuff in the past, ergo, it is how I must do it forever. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Everybody I know who has fallen into that trap has become uh, stodgy and archaic, you know, and stuck. Yeah. And, and we've actually talked about this on the gun episode. Well. Because that's how I shoot too. Well, and, and you and I are both, you and I are both business guys. Yeah. And the one the, the biggest thing that we always talk about in business, especially as accountants, is diversify your assets. Yeah. Right? And, and this is just another way to do that. Um, well, so I, I had never been in KU before and I'm like, okay, look, I'm one of the hosts of the writer dojo, uh, the podcast for authors and aspiring authors and people trying to make it in the business. And KU is currently one of the biggest pots of money in all of publishing mm-hmm. and I've never messed with it. So if I'm going to, if I'm going to stay up on the market and I'm going to stay up on what's going on, I really need to mess around with it. And I could go do that independent, but at the same time I got Athon, and I like these guys, and this is what they do, and they're really, really good at it. Yeah, I mean, they can, they can point you in the correct direction of the algorithm that's going to. Yeah, sell I mean, books. they understand the marketing of this. Yeah, yeah. And so at that point, I was like, okay, so I'm going to do this other side project because this is, gives me a chance to explore a different genre, a, a growing one, and also to explore a different market that I yeah. don't mess with. Yeah. Well, and, and, and here's the cool thing is, is that so many of those people there, they, um, those readers, especially on KU, they're not, um, they're not necessarily like big readers of Larry Korea yet. Yeah. Some are, some are, because I was watching the announcement this week and the reaction was kind of funny because the reaction over on like my, my, my area, my spaces were, um, my sp- Facebook, on Twitter, my space? Were, what? Uh, and my, in, in, in my universes yeah. <laughs> that I, that my fans inhabit, the reaction was very much, wow, cool. It's a Larry book. I will check out a Larry book. Yeah. Regard- Plus I've proven to these guys, I'm multi-genre. I can write in any genre and give you guys a really cool story. Well, one of the things I noticed was a lot of people saying, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> like someone who, who actually understands writing conventions and character and stuff like that. Well, taking on a genre I like, but sometimes the authors are. One weak. thing with it being a, a new, a newer subgenre. It's still finding its place, dude. Yeah. And there's, and, and there's a lot of talented dudes working yeah. on it, but there's a lot of people who are still learning. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm a guy who's been around a while and I've played a lot of different genres and my, and we've talked about this on the show, right? And multi-genre stuff. Cause I've done it so much is I'm, I, I really enjoy going and figuring out what are the conventions, what are the things that people like, and what do they dislike, uh, and then write accordingly. Mm-hmm. And so it gives me a chance to play around with this stuff. And, and um, it, it, I was seeing comments like, no, no, write more whatever. Write more whatever my favorite series is. And I how get come, this every time. How come you, you need to finish Monster Hunter? I'm like, that, that's not going to happen. That's going to be a while, dude. I mean, that's probably like... like the, the, the point of that series is to be ongoing. It's an ongoing series and I love it and the fans <laughs> love it. But the thing is, guys, you got to understand if I did the same thing over and over and over again, like if I wanted to just make money, I would just, I've said this on the show before, I would just write Monster Hunter nonstop and that's all I do. But if I did that, I guarantee it would get boring to me and I'd get stagnant and then you guys wouldn't enjoy it anymore. Well, and I... We, we talked about this on that on that one episode a while back, you know, sharpening the saw. Exactly. You know, we we have to do other things. Yeah. Um, it keeps things fresh. So, all right, look, 
as you can tell, we're just kind of chatting. We're just talking about all the neat stuff well, on, the, on the back half. Uh, I'm going to talk briefly about one one other little thing, and then we're going to uh, talk about some other interesting things. So yeah, uh, we'll have whole episodes. Well, I'm going to I'm going to do another. I've told Steve about this. Yes, I'm, I'm very excited for this another experiment up. for this book. <laughs> that, 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 well, I'll, so we'll talk about this more later. But I'm going to discovery write a novel. Oh heavens, this is going to be hilarious. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. Year is 1937. For 70 years after a devastating war, the Republic of Texas kept to itself. But it would be rude not to attend the International Naval Review celebrating Britain's new king, George VI. So with war clouds over Europe, Texas sends the elderly armored cruiser San Antonio and her new captain, Carl von Stahlberg. While making new friends and meeting Texas's ancient foe, can Carl and his men avoid sparking a war? Texas at the Coronation, Book One in the Republic of Texas Navy Alternate History Series by D.A. Brock. Available now in ebook from Amazon and Kindle Unlimited. Pick up your copy today. All right, everybody, welcome back. All right. Before we talk about uh, basically what on the back half of this, we're going to kind of talk about conventions. But um, real there's quick, been some current events. There's been some current events that are um, hilarious. Yeah, they're they're hysterical. So shocking. I'm so shocked. Um, but before that, uh, again, for anyone who missed it, um, the one of the next things you're working on once you know you finish off Graveyard of Demons is um, is a is a author's edition edit of MHI. Yep. Um, because. I'm doing the 15th anniversary edition of it. Yes, we're doing fancy MHI this year. Super, super fancy. So, so if you if you've ever wanted a hardcover of MHI, now is your chance. I you know I saw someone just mentioned that the other day on uh, I think it was in the MHI group, um, saying hey look I, I I might need to pick up a hard hardcover of MHI and everyone's kind of like well good luck with that good luck buddy. Yeah, so um, it, it this will be out there, and it's going to be limited quantities too. Yes. So don't wait around. No, no, when they, they come out, yeah, limited quantities. The chances of us doing a reprint on it are almost non-existent. And I'm doing an editing pass yep. on this yep. to, to clean up the little things that I really wish I would have done well, and, and known about. And and you've grown a lot as an author. Yeah. Um, though, having having gone back and read it um, again recently, it's a good book. It's really good. It it's it's held up. Far better than than most any other first novels would. Yeah, and I've talked about the show too. One of the things that gets me about this career field is this is one of the only jobs where you get judged for your whole career based upon your rookie year. Yeah, there is no other business or sport or anything where your rookie year gets used, and and people are like, "Well, you you did this wrong." It's like, dude, that was fifteen years ago. Yeah. I've done this nonstop for 15 years, you know, it's, but it is what it is. Yeah. So anyway, so that's, that's the next thing. And, and, and what's going to come of that one, um, once, once you finish your editing pass of it, um, I mean, there's two reasons for this one. I need the editing pass done cause I have to do layout and layout sucks, yep. Yep. but, um, the other cool thing about it is that's going to generate a really interesting episode where you and I are going to talk about 
basically going back and re-editing an old book for publication. Yeah, we are going to do definitely do an episode on that. Because, you know, you'll have done it for MHI for your first book. I'll, I've done it for Residue, my first book. And it's it's eye-opening. It is. So uh, look forward to that. Okay. But here's the thing, guys. Current events. Let's talk about some, let's talk about conventions, um, some current events. So right now... Um, oh, we don't even at, need to pull punches on this. Yeah, at, at, the, can... at the point at the point of recording this, this is when a local convention um, around these parts is going on, um, called LTUE down in Provo, Utah. Which I went for like thirteen years in a row. Yes, twelve years I've, in a I've row. I've gone. Like that. I went pretty much every year, um, aside from COVID year. Um, neither you or I are there. Yeah, I kind of bailed, and that's because they lied. Um, back in 2021, 21, they lied, flat out lied to, uh, to a lot of the attendees, um, you know, about various COVID restrictions and stuff. And then last year, um, this was, it's weird in in some ways there, there are a lot of scenarios where Larry, you are more the optimist than I am. Yeah, and actually, there are a lot people of, wouldn't think that, but it's yeah. true. Yeah, and then there are other times where I am, I am the guy that's like, no, let's give it another chance. Let's give it another chance. Um, oftentimes, that has to do with people um, or or conventions. So last year, I'm like, no, Larry, I'll I'll go check it out. I'll give it another chance. And I went, and um, it was kind of a train wreck. I mean, yeah, it was a complete train wreck. Well, I mean, it's going on right now. I wish them well. I, so, so the, the committee, they were supposed to call me and talk with me to talk about ways in which they could regain the trust of a bunch of people who'd left yourself included. Um, so I said, okay, cool. And so I, I was, I was telling people, yeah, I I think we're, I think we're in good shape. I think we're in good shape. And then, um, I was texting and calling the people involved and they all ghosted me. I'll put it this way. So screw them. Uh, one of the things I, I noticed was another author who I won't name, great guy, uh, wonderful, wonderful human being. Uh, many of our listeners will recognize this dude, but I guess I don't want to out him, but he was trying to do the same kind of thing. Yeah. And one of the things was the, the ridiculous political bias where you had to have your, like we've talked about the mandatory panels, you know? Well, it was like all mandatory panels. Yeah. And so it was like, you know, how to write this. What are the rules of this? What are the rules of this? What are the rules? Of, don't offend me. It was that kind of panel, right? Well, and, and the, and, and it was at the expense of everything really important topics. So last year, so this convention is Thursday, Friday, Saturday, um, Thursday, 9am, which is typically the least attended panel. That's ever the dead hour. Um, it was, it was, um, Tips and tricks for beginning authors. Yeah, so, what, which and, is which is a pretty a pretty important panel. And what honestly. do they put at like the primo prime time? Um, Rules for writing. Yeah, transsexual check, lesbian check, Eskimos. Yeah, checklist diversity checklist checklist. Yeah, well, and so this guy I was talking about this other author, he was trying to do the same thing you were and trying to like help them pull their heads out of their butts and and and, and try to actually like help authors yeah. again and not just this activist crap. And so to try to restore balance to the force, he said, remember, they're always asking, submit your panel ideas. So he submitted like 20 something panel ideas. None of them made it. 
And it was actually tackling a lot of like big issues and also like he, he was like willing to go political too. Like, but, but like to bring fairness to it. He's like, okay, let's talk about this, but let's talk about the pros and the cons. And these are the kind of people I want on this panel to talk about this stuff. And he suggested a it was a ton. ton. And it was well thought out because he's a very intelligent dude. And he's not nearly as fire breathing as I am. He's no. he's he's very diplomatic. Mm-hmm. And so he's diplomatic and he he threw this out there. No, they got they gave him nothing. They gave him garbage. I mean, they gave um, him absolute there, there was no give because people the kind of people that are these mind control, we'll talk about this more about this next convention. Yeah. The authoritarian statist <laughs> mindset people. Weird. Uh, yeah. We'll, <laughs> we'll segue into the next con here. Huh. Um, they don't want a discussion. They want us to shut up. Um, and that's actually the difference between two of these fundamental philosophies is my side, we're happy for them to keep talking because I want the audience to see how full of crap they are when I debate them. They just want to shut us up. Yeah. Now, moving on to our next convention that's in current events. So, so far... To, to the shock and surprise of no one. Literally no one. Um, well, I mean, there there were at least 12 people that were shocked. Um, but... Uh, they sleep in Nerf helmets. I don't... Okay. Chengdu Worldcon. These guys. These freaking guys. Okay, so... For those of you that aren't familiar with my background, I have a history of running in with Worldcon. <gasps> I know. Okay. But so for the new listeners, um, I was the guy who many years ago uh, decided, I went to Worldcon and came away very disillusioned. That this, was, this was 2011. Yep. It was we all political. It was all games. It was all, the quality of the books had nothing to do with the awards and everything was who you were friends with and how politically connected you were and if you believe the right way well and, and on and on the way back from that because you and i drove home together yeah um, from reno um in 2011 with some other authors we won't name because they get burned at the stake for associating that's, with me. that's true um literally so <laughs> they have the wrong so on the way they're home, on the good side of politics well i'm not convinced there's a good side for them um, they used to be they'd get eaten now <laughs> but so on our way home we noticed that that the actual voting numbers, especially for nominations and such, was was obscenely low. It was obscenely low. I it mean, was, it was like dozens. They had people snowed for so long that like these were meaningful. And really, we're talking to me, it was like 20, 30 people would decide like yeah. what was the greatest mm-hmm. and the best. And the, and, the, and, the, and the community at large was snowed that it was like yeah. this real thing. And it's not. It was a total scam. And so two years later, uh, in an office... At a nameless government contractor, Larry and I were sitting there and we said, huh, but what about the puppies? <laughs> and so, you know, we queued up a Sarah McLaughlin song and then, and then, you know, and then, you know, what happened? Yeah. So we won't get into that too much because well, well, it, it's, it's been a taken lot. That's, that's, that'd be like three episodes. And it's been taken so far out of context these days. Oh yeah. It's funny. Cause I still talk to people and it's like, you're a right wing hate monger who blah, blah, blah. And I was like, to put this, that's how the other side spun it. Cause I saw that everybody's onto the scam now in the year 2024. Uh, but, but 10 years ago, people weren't necessarily onto the scam yet. Yeah, they didn't get it. The scam was you, anybody who would point out your bad behavior, you would attack them as sexist, racist, misogynistic, whatever. All the ists. And they, they would immediately trot that out. And so here's the kicker, guys. The year before I did this, they hailed the, the, the it as a huge win for diversity. And the winners were 16 white liberals and one Asian liberal. Yeah. And that was a huge win for diversity. 
my nominees that I got nominated because we gamed the system. I flat out saw how the crank was turned and I turned it harder. That's it all easy. I did. I did the same thing that many other authors before me had done, only I wasn't a leftist. Well, it was on a higher scale. Oh, you know, oh, oh yeah. We, we added a zero to all the nominations. They messed with the wrong dude. And so I, uh, I did all this and, and my winners by every measure, every possible measure, whether it was religious, racial, social, uh, ethnic, uh, whatever. Gender. Gender didn't matter. Was more diverse than their nominees by an order of magnitude. Yeah, it was nuts. Yet how did they portray this? You were a hate monger. A sexist, racist, uh, white supremacist, which came as a real shock to my dad. Yeah. Who is... Who's, who's guys, not white. Guys, guys, my dad passed away, but my dad was browner than Barack Obama. Okay. I, I take after my mom, who was a redhead. <laughs> I mean, I'm really white compared to my family. So, so fast forward a few years after all of that, his, you know, it, it's, it's like, it's like the boogeyman. Right well, now, so, right? so the next part you see is they kicked us out. They, they basically changed the rules and it was all about censorship and, and even illustrious authors such as George Martin came along and, and he, and he wrote his 40, four, I kid you not, 40,000 words complaining about me. Guys, that's two novellas. That's half a novel. If only if only he put that into his book. Yeah, it'd be worth a billion dollars. But he whined about me for 40,000 words before he finally admitted that I was right. And it was rigged. And it was their special club. It wasn't for all of fandom. No. And we're sorry that you thought it was for all of fandom, but it's for their special club. Yeah. So they excluded us. They changed the rules. They booted us out. So let's fast forward a decade. And... <laughs> okay, so... So freaking China wins the nomination to, to host Worldcon. Which if you don't keep up on current events, is a communist country known for its totalitarian nature. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure they built the, uh, they, they, they like rushed out a building specifically for this event. Yeah. I'm sure it was, I'm sure it was right next to the concentration camp that they I'm sure used it's for labor. To, I'm sure it's up to OSHA students. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so it turns out. Um, when all the Hugo nominations and everything came out, the data comes out and people are like, wait, like I, how, how come my name's crossed off? How come I was ruled ineligible? Keep in mind, this is a, de a decade after they threw everybody with the wrong politics out of the system yeah. and they censored us Oh yeah, and they silenced us, got exactly what they wanted. And it was their special little club. Only they're, they're petty authoritarians. The Chinese communist government, which runs everything in China, guys, I mean, you might think that they're like us. They are not like us. This is a very different nation, very different culture. The communist Chinese government is not going to let a bunch of subversive Westerners come in there spouting off whatever they want. And everybody with a brain knew this. Well. Except for Worldcon. Uh, yeah, apparently. Well, no. Um, it turns out the committee that was looking over all of the nominations knew about this. Oh yeah. Because they were in cahoots. Because people kept receipts and emails were released. Yep. And in there, uh, there was a whole bunch of data that basically said, Hey, because of the laws of China, we have to look at all of the, the nominees and decide, is there anything in there that's quite, that has questionable politics in it? Which is, if the it does, we have to exclude it. It's the same thing they did to us. Yeah. Same thing they did to us. Only we didn't have politics in the books. It's just if you had personal beliefs yeah. they didn't like. Mm -hmm. And so it's the same thing they did to us. Only the Worldcon people were amateur authoritarians. Yeah. The Chinese Communist Party is professional oh, no, not... authoritarians. Yeah, I was going to say, they've, they've done this a few times. 
Oh, yeah. They have the kilns to prove it. Oh, yeah. They got a body count that is rather impressive. Yeah. It would make Genghis Khan blush. Yeah. And so... And not in a sexy way. Well, I mean, he did have like 10 million descendants. So clearly there was a lot of sexy time with Genghis Khan. But not getting into that. (laughs) (laughs) It's a different topic. Totally different. That's a romance episode. No, but you think about this, guys. It's so freaking hilarious. So when all this was going down, all this was getting repealed, all the probably... One of the things that the the people who excluded up my people before is like, oh no, this is making it like people are going to think the sad puppies had a point. People are going to think Larry Korea had a point. And I'm like, yeah, correct. So my my whole public statement up until this episode recording this has been the Nelson Muntz meme pointing, going ha ha. Yeah. <laughs> Every time I see a news article about this, because here's the thing, guys, I told you so. Ten years ago, I told you so, and. Every year since, they've gone above and beyond, beyond to prove me right. And this last one was just so freaking over the top and hilarious that, man, I, you know, if your shade and boner lasts more than four hours, see a doctor, okay? Because I've been freaking loving it. I've been loving it. I've been loving the little petty scumbags who talk so much trash over the years about me getting hoisted on their petards. People getting fired, people getting run out on rails. And it's funny because some people who are outraged now, oh, you're outraged now. You were fine with us before. Yeah. yeah and you, that's You the were fine with your censorship. Yeah. Just not their censorship. Yeah. You guys were fine with excluding people for wrong think. Until you got excluded. Until someone who is even more authoritarian than you decided that your thought was wrong. I mean, who would have, I mean, I mean, it's so shocking that that a communist dictatorship would have had dictatorship oppressive rules in place. I mean, who could have saw who that could coming? Have thought, who could have saw that coming? Now, here's the interesting thing about all this, Larry. And, and but besides the hilarity of it. <laughs> Dude, I've been, every little thing oh, I've gosh. seen about it, we could go off on this for hours. I think it's hilarious. Because there's individuals involved that I'm just like laughing at them, like on a deep and personal level, mm-hmm. just mocking them. Now, now the flip side of this is they are, um, they are, they are th- taking people to the guillotine that have no business, they had nothing to do with it. Oh yeah. They threw everybody under the bus. Yeah. Even people that weren't necessarily part of the, um, they had nothing to do manipulation. With it. They don't care though. No. It's a cannibal feeding frenzy mm-hmm. over there right now. And some people who are totally knee deep in this are getting a pass because they're, they're the cool kids. Yeah. But this is the politics of conventions, Larry. Yeah. And this is why it's just I, I don't know about you, man. This this is why it's so hard for me to care about conventions. Oh dude, I'm so burned out. Like every time I get announced as a guest anywhere, Whee! I inevitably know that I'm gonna have to listen to at least a month of nonstop whining about Larry Korea makes me feel unsafe. Uh, and it's just this endless cry bully nonsense. And you know, the thing is though, guys, it's, it's so old. It's so tiresome. We've all seen it. We all know it's bull crap. Everybody in America is onto the scam now. Like I said, 10 years ago, this crap still worked, right? Because a critical mass of Americans hadn't caught onto the scam. But at this point, we all know it's a scam. We all know you don't feel unsafe. It's just something you trot out to silence people. And they do it nonstop, and it's so lopsided and so one way, and it's so goofy. But yeah, I go to stuff, and I was like, ah, I know they're going to announce me. I'm going to lose days of work because I have to respond to 
ignorant people like, well, they said you believe this. It's like, no, I clearly don't. Yeah. You have to respond to the same 12 people that have been yelling about you at every other convention. Yeah. And it's always the same people. And then they pretend to be innocent. Oh, I just wanted to raise a dialogue. Really? Because the internet's forever. And here's six other times where you raised a dialogue about somebody that you wanted to destroy. Mm -hmm. Oh, and and here's, here's a hundred documented lies that you told about the last person. You know, and it's so like, it's the same people involved in all this stuff. It's the same people crying at Worldcon who now they're, now they're butthurt that they're getting censored. It's the same people shoving the mandatory diversity bullcrap down your throats that rather than like, we can't talk about like, you know, writing. (laughs) Oh, I know. Heaven forbid at a writing conference, you're actually talking about writing. Yeah. No. And the thing is, is invaded every aspect of our lives. And writing is just one of those. And we were just kind of canary in the coal mine because we're an artistic endeavor. And so I guess that's one of the things I did accomplish in my uh, goofy, weird life journey was <laughs> exposing bullcrap early. I mean, so. I, I think I think really often you see things that, um, you know, points will get made or observations will get made. And it's not until really years and years later where people go, Oh wait, yeah, that you're right. You know? And, and this is one of those. Um, I mean, even, even LTUE, I mean, we've been talking about the issues of LTUE amongst ourselves since like 2015. Well, behind the scenes, I helped them uh, probably half a dozen times where they'd have some volunteer who is a politically minded activist type dirtbag screw somebody and mm-hmm. I would step in behind the scenes and try to help out and fix things and yeah. smooth things over and soothe. And then uh, there's just a point where it's like, nah, sorry, you guys are on your, I don't care. It's, ex- it's exhausting. Um, it's exhausting. Yeah. Cause they never, ever give up. Cause the, the stakes, the stakes are so low. They have nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I, I think we're gonna wrap this part up here because we could keep going, dude. I could we go could off about going. I could go off about the uh, Chengdu thing for hours. I've it's heard so, so much. I got so much juicy dirt on it from so, so many ridiculous. people. <laughs> it's so everybody I hate is involved. <laughs> oh, I, you know, I scroll through my Facebook feed and I'm like, oh, oh, so now you have a problem. Oh, so, so now you have a problem. Oh, so now censorship is offensive. Now oh. excluding people is offensive. Weird. Oh um, man, I love it. So I, yeah, but uh, but look for for all you writer dojo listeners out there, um, thanks for uh, thanks for indulging us this week as we one talked about some really cool updates in the industry that we're having and 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 the reasons why we're doing them in the industry, um, and then of course allowing us to laugh uh, at at Worldcon's misfortune. It's so fun. <laughs> Sorry. This is the Rider Dojo. We'll see you on the next one. Rider Dojo is Steve Diamond and Larry Korea. Produced by Jack Wilder and Bear and Hair Studios. Theme song, Word Mercenaries by Craig Nibo. New episodes come out every Wednesday wherever you stream your content. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can help support us by going to anchor.fm slash writer dojo by leaving a five-star rating and review and by helping to spread the word to advertise on the writer dojo email ads at writerdojo.com 
All questions and comments can be emailed to questions at writerdojo.com. So clearly there was a lot of sexy time with Genghis Khan, 